1: Welcome to the Michelle Tafoya podcast. You know, for the last four years, there's been something called Walk Away. A guy named Brandon Strzok started this movement. He is a gay former Democrat who walked away from the Democrat Party. Well, others have been following him in some stunning numbers. And one of them happens to be a woman who was an actress in Hollywood who described herself as an atheist liberal. She's now a Christian conservative. Didn't happen overnight, but her story is quite interesting. And she joins us next.
0: Now, it's time for some sanity. It's the Michelle Tafoya Podcast.
1: So Natalie Jean Beisner is her name, and she was born and raised in California, much like I was. Spent some time in San Francisco, much like I did. Um, And she was raised in Catholic schools. I was not. And so she was definitely a Catholic, but, you know, you you graduate from high school and you find that maybe you don't believe everything that you thought you believed and you disagree with part of the church or the church undergoes a scandal. And so you say, I can't support this anymore. Same thing I did. Um, But she went a step further and she lived through some things that really taught her about herself, about the world, and about some of the things she was believing that her, her brain told her, this doesn't seem right. This doesn't make sense. And so she underwent this transformation that is remarkable and courageous. And Natalie Jean Beisner is going to join us next. But first, breaking news. Genyacel has upgraded their most popular package to feature their top-selling deep firming vitamin C serum plus ultra retinol moisturizer with natural retinol alternative. Love these products. And right now, take advantage of this limited time package upgrade for 70% off. Why waste time and money to get work done on your face when you can have this stuff delivered to your door, this Genucell package that does the work for you? Here's a Genucell.com review from Robert in Blessing, Texas. This is sweet. Quote, I purchased Genucell as a gift for my girlfriend. She said she saw results so fast, so we joined their concierge program immediately. It's honestly the best skincare she's ever used and is extremely impressed with all the GenuCell products, as am I. Her skin is noticeably softer and smoother. I can see and feel a difference, too. She was already beautiful, and GenuCell has made her more beautiful. That's adorable. That's so sweet, Robert, from Blessing. And I feel lucky, too, that I have found GenuCell. Now, GenuCell's secret is a family recipe for over 20 years that makes it safe for all skin types and perfect for both men and women, by the way. Made by a compounding pharmacist in small batches, always safe, cruelty-free, and natural. So go to com slash Michelle. It's G-E-N-U-C-E-L dot com slash Michelle save over seventy percent off Genucel's most popular package featuring both the Genucel Ultra Retinol and Genucel Firming Serum. This stuff is magic. Don't wait. Go to Genucel dot com slash Michelle, G E N U C E L dot com slash Michelle with one L. Get a complimentary spa essentials box with every package order plus free upgrade to priority shipping. Genucel dot com slash Michelle with one L, Genucel dot com slash M-I-C-H-E-L-E. Natalie, welcome to the Michelle Tafoya podcast. I'm glad to have you. Is it fair to say that you were a liberal atheist at one point? It
2: is. Okay. <laughs> yes. How did you come to that place? Um. Well, I... My parents have always been Republican, but we weren't really a political family at all. And I was raised Catholic, uh, went to Catholic school, completed all the sacraments up to confirmation. Um, and I think I just took the typical route of, I don't know, I turned 18, 19. Um, I struggled a little bit with the um, scandal that happened in the Catholic Church around the time that I was that age. And I, I just left the church and got very involved in acting, Um, went to college, moved to San Francisco, that kind of thing. And I was not a zealot in my beliefs, either really liberal or atheism, but I just didn't have any connection to God and no connection or understanding of politics, really. It was just sort of a default mode. Right.
1: Right. It's quite frankly, having grown up in California myself and been Mm -hmm. raised Catholic I I think our paths were somewhat similar in that in that first part of our lives. And and that's the time in your life when you do get to try on different things and, you know, see how they feel. Um, So you ended up having an acting career. Uh, You made some films and some some you did some projects. Um, How how was your life going before COVID hit?
2: Um. I was I was struggling you know I I guess I'm I'm gonna humbly say I don't know how much of a career I had <laughs> which people people like to remind me online now that I've got a little bit of attention from that video uh, you know I had I had a lot of training I think I had some talent but it's a hard hard industry and I left acting around 2017 2018 um, for many reasons uh, One of the reasons was, even though I was still very liberal at the time, um, I saw the push for racial diversity above everything else. Mm -hmm. And I struggled with that, even though I agree with it, Um, or I agreed with it at the time. And, but it was just clear that there was not a lot of room for voices like mine. And, um, it was not the main reason I left, but it was one. And then I just, you know, my, my goals changed. I realized that when you're pursuing acting, you know, it's kind of interesting. Auditioning is your job and booking is your, uh, you know, your vacation kind of, so you have to be okay with going in nine to five, sometimes late at night too, any, any time, day or night and auditioning over and over and over for strangers. And that is your job. So I had left acting in 2017, 2018, um, at least professionally i still do it sometimes when i'm asked and i was struggling i was struggling in los angeles um i wasn't happy and um, i was very lost and and covid hit at a an interesting time for me and i think one of the reasons i had such a strong reaction to it was how my life was going at the time so yeah.
1: that's really interesting i i'll i'll go back just a year prior to that 2016 you made a point of in your walk away video uh, part of this walk away campaign, you mentioned that in two thousand and sixteen you had to drive a long way to vote for Hillary Clinton, but you really wanted to vote for Hillary Clinton, and yes. so you were
2: registered not where you lived, right? no, no, even though I had been in Los Angeles, I think I mentioned in the video at least for two years at that point, but that shows you how it you know in, interested I was in politics, not very not not very interested to get registered <laughs> in the right county. Um, but I got swept up in this whole "I'm with her" thing and um, really bought into the the what I later found out, much much later, 2020, uh, to be lies about Donald Trump. Um, and so I felt like I was doing my part by going just about for her. I didn't know anything else on the ballot. Didn't touch anything else on the How ballot. How far did just you drive to, to make that vote? How. Well, it was from L.A. to Orange County. So it was, okay. you know, at least 40, 50 miles each way, <laughs> Yeah,
1: which in L.A., by the way, means it, it could be 90 minutes each direction. I mean, yes. it's, you know, so people who know who know. Um, yeah. So you voted for Hillary and she lost to Donald Trump. And you admit that like so many people, many of whom I know personally, just decided Donald Trump was like, you know, just the most hated figure in for fifty yes. percent of America, and you were among yeah. them, and so yeah. um, how did that manifest itself in your life? What what did that look like?
2: Um, you know, I was in I was in Hollywood working on a play the night that uh, the election um, happened, and I, there were many many tears <laughs> and and things. Um, but again, you know, I wasn't, I didn't really do anything. I didn't you know take to the streets or anything. I just. I saw this stuff on my Facebook feed, I was active on Facebook at the time, all my friends were liberal, everything on my Facebook was liberal, and I heard what the media wanted me to hear, you know? Mm-hmm. And I just, it didn't consume my life, um, but I, like many Americans, I think, even still, I just kind of peripherally knew about him and knew that I shouldn't like him. And I got the exact right sound bites that they wanted me to get, and clips cut perfectly so that they wanted me to get. And I couldn't, I, like I mentioned in the video, I couldn't tell you why exactly I hated him, but I had the general vague things of the sexism and the racism and this and that, but I couldn't give you specifics. And, um, you know, it's interesting to think about because I, I've always been an, I think I'm an intelligent person. I've always been sort of a critical thinker, but that seemed to shut off with politics and anything As else. going on. And does I think a of, a lot, yes. It
1: does for a lot of people. I think it's, a lot of
2: people are like that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, people have called politics a sport and I'm a former sports reporter. And what I can tell mm-hmm. you is that there is a fervor and a fandom that is associated with politics that's very similar to walking into, you know, to a a stadium, um, SoFi Stadium in L.A. and watching the Rams play for a Super Bowl. And it, that that, yeah. that pandemonium is, yes. I would say, it's very similar. You're cheering for a team. Yeah. So you were on this team and, and you know. You weren't alone. You were not alone. But 2020 was pivotal because of the shutdown. So Mm -hmm. uh, for you, for a lot of people, but you tell Mm -hmm. the story in a really interesting way. Um, So they start shutting down and California was one of the worst. I mean, I had friends, my family still there telling me, "But you know, you can't go to the beach. And I'm thinking, you can't go to the beach? Like uh, there's fresh air. You can social distance all you want. You can't go to the beach? I mean, this to me was crazy, right? Mm -hmm. So what were were you experiencing?
2: Um, You know, at first I was totally on board um, because it uh, it was an unprecedented situation. I was immediately worried about not having my jobs because I've never been unemployed since I was 16 years old. And um, this seems to come as a shock to people (laughs) at the time. And even still, you know, I needed to work. Uh, It was important to me. It was essential to me. Um, I do. I've helped out family members financially. I had just done that um, right before the pandemic hit. You know, it was just, I don't know. I think I'm like most Americans and I need to work. Yeah. Um, But I was, I remember being upset that I had family members and friends not taking it seriously. You know, I was really trying to do my part. I stayed home. Um, I mean, there was nowhere to go except the grocery store uh i wore a mask at the grocery store you know i did everything and um i like i mentioned in the video you know it, it got to be to a point a couple months in where it did start to strike me as odd some things <laughs> you know the, <laughs> i mentioned in the video um i never wore a mask outside i don't know why like you said i'm not a scientist but the beach you know being outdoors it, it, that did not make sense to me and i don't right. know why it didn't make sense to more People, um, because I don't, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not highly, highly educated, but it just struck me as very odd. And I would take these walks. Um, I didn't have a car at the time, and I didn't have jobs, obviously. And I would take these long walks around LA, and people would stop and yell at me. You know, I would get off the sidewalk for them well in advance. I would even cross the street, and strangers, men, even, I mean, anyone, it didn't matter. They would tell me I was a terrible person for being unmasked, and that. Really, it, it upset me. I brought it in a way on myself because I could have just easily put a mask on. But sometimes that was my only face to face human interaction because I was yeah. following the rules. Um, and it, it kind of stayed with me because I am someone, you know, I'm a Catholic school girl at heart and I, I'm not. I think people have this idea that immediately people of a certain ideology or a certain political bent were upset about lockdowns. And I'm someone who follows the rules. I love to follow the rules. I hate getting in trouble. (laughs) And I was not immediately upset, but I felt like I'm doing everything. I've lost my jobs. No one's talking about getting us back to work. And I saw, you know, it's crazy stuff on, again, on Facebook, I was on Facebook a lot about it seemed to be this idea that the only people upset about lockdowns were wealthy white people who like want to go get their hair done. And it's like, well, who does the hair, you know, I mean, a lot of people go get their hair done, regardless of gender or skin color, but who does the hair, you know, hairdressers and nail setters. And it's like, your job is essential to you. And that struck a nerve with me because my job was essential to me. And so I slowly became aware of things that didn't make sense, you know, like the, Yelling outdoors, no mask across the street <laughs> and the arrows on the grocery store floor and the, the parks around me were caution taped off months and months into this. And I, you know, that seemed odd to me that we couldn't go work out on the free machines out there. So things like that. And whenever I would mention it on Facebook in a very, very overly polite way, um, I got a lot of hatred for it. I got oh yeah from people who liked me, you know, knew me for years And so that started to add up. And then summer 2020 was the big um, turning point for me of this is crazy. (laughs) So Yeah.
1: And, you know, in retrospect, we can all look back now and with 2020 Mm -hmm. hindsight, no pun intended, and say, wow, did we do a lot of amazingly dumb things, counterproductive things. So in this process, what drove you to actually take all of that experience and say, the Democrat Party doesn't represent me anymore?
2: Um, it was it was summer 2020 when the unrest, <laughs> to put it to put it politely and, and loosely, um, for BLM on behalf of BLM and George Floyd, right. uh, the response to that was so hypocritical um, when compared to the response to COVID, and it was. A mirror of the things that had bothered me in 2017, 2018, not enough to become political, not a lo- enough to get informed, not enough to walk away. But this idea of white privilege that doesn't match my experience, um, this idea of raci- r- racialism above all things, um, that came back like tenfold in summer 2020. And... I was being told, you know, to do the work, to read certain books while I just wanted to go to work and and get paid. And it became clear to me that there was really a double standard. And you know, I remember seeing doctors um, coming out, I'm not saying every medical professional, but on behalf of the protests to not shut it down, um, even as we were in the height of lockdowns. And that was the moment that I walked away from the Democrat Party because I, as best I could tell, there was no one. And certainly, I'm, I'll be honest, obviously, many Republican leaders at that time were totally on board with all of this. Correct. Um, but there was certainly no one in the Democrat Party and including, unfortunately, a lot of the people that I knew um, on my Facebook feed. Again, no, no Democrat was even entertaining my concerns, and that it felt like a, a slap in the face because I knew I wasn't the only one who just wanted to go back to work and uh, live your life.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. um, it it uh, you know you know, and I've never lived through something like this before, except maybe nine mm-hmm. eleven. Uh, where you know that what you're living through will be in the history books and be examined and re-examined, and and so many mistakes will be pointed out. But it was Mm -hmm. enough to drive you away from a party you had voted with and for. Mm -hmm. Um, So, But what's interesting is you kind of went from being an atheist, not really believing in anything after being raised in Catholic schools and so forth, to being a Christian again. How did Mm -hmm. that part happen?
2: Well, I always like to be very clear that it didn't happen immediately. Um, this was not a situation of I was burned by <laughs> my, my old crew, so I immediately jumped to the opposite end of the spectrum. Um, in summer 2020, you know, I, I walked away from the Democrat Party and I identified as politically homeless <laughs> for, yeah. for a very long time. But it allowed me to, um, for the first time, open my mind to other voices and other perspectives. Um, it's what ultimately led me to realize I'd been lied to about Donald Trump was, you know, he was talking about opening the country. I think, uh, you know, we, he made a lot of mistakes, but that's neither here nor there. He was talking about it. And so I kind of got clued into him. Well, okay, he's talking about it at least. So maybe there's more to this guy. And then I went down a rabbit hole, realized I'd been lied to. So it was things like that where I was I was no longer so um, easily held into this brainwashing that happens on the radical left. And I guess just in listening to more conservative voices, people like um, Ben Shapiro come to mind and Dennis Prager, I somewhere in there was just called to open my Bible again, um, because I think I had a deep sense that the way that I had been living um, and the things that I had been believing or not believing in had not served me well. Um, and COVID aside and the response to COVID aside, I was not happy before any of that happened. And a lot of the things that I had bought into, specifically feminism, um, had really brought to me a lot of heartache. And so I realized that there was probably a better way to live. <laughs> and uh, best I can tell, that's laid out in the Bible <laughs> for you. Um, so, yeah. It's so interesting
1: to me, Nellie, because <laughs> I, I hear this from many people who have yeah. turned toward toward faith, whatever mm-hmm. whatever their faith, that they weren't happy. Mm-hmm. And it, it seems to me that you can justify, like, I think that some people justify not being happy. Well, I don't deserve to be happy. There are so many unhappy mm-hmm. people who suffering in the world. I don't deserve to be happy. But if you're mm-hmm. unhappy, that just spreads more unhappiness. And when you're happy, not only does it serve you, it serves a greater purpose because Mm -hmm. everyone around you feeds off of that. And it's almost like Mm -hmm. you're almost like duty bound to be happy for those around you. Um, And I know that's a big Dennis Prager philosophy as well. (laughs) In fact, I'm a big fan of his as well. And Mm -hmm. when I sign off every day from this podcast, I say do good because he once told me, do good in order to counter all the awful stuff that's out there. All you can do is do good, you know, smile yeah. at people, um, tip mm. your weight or whatever it is, just little yeah. tiny pieces of doing good can help. So it really interests me that y- you have found that, you know, happiness is a, it's a big key to life uh, and it, it's not just for you, it's for everyone around you. Um, one mm. of the other things you said in your walk away tape that intrigued me was you know, not only did you find this other home politically, but they didn't mm-hmm. chastise you. They welcomed you. They didn't say, "Well, where the hell have you been?" or "How? Why, why, why were you so stupid?" They mm-hmm. didn't do that. Uh, what was that experience like for you?
2: Um. Yeah, I I have found for the most part. I mean, of course, I've gotten a little bit of attention since the video, so there's been different responses. But prior to that, it's and even still, it's been mostly nothing. But but welcoming, and, I, I, and there's a vindictiveness from the left, you know, sure. um, for having left. There's a lot of palpable hatred. Um, and I do believe, from my experience and from many, that it seems to me that libertarians, conservatives, any, even maybe centrists perhaps, it's sort of like this big tent, I don't want to say party, but ideology, mm-hmm. um, that is far more welcoming because I see so many people – it's true what they say. I mean, I hate to even repeat it because it's it's said so often, but if you did not fall in lockstep with the modern day left, uh, you, you're out, you know, I, I bought everything, but I didn't buy the response to COVID. And I had some questions about the, you know, race stuff. Um, and so I was out, you know, and, and in 2020, at the start of 2020, I had my pronouns in my bio, you know, like I was, I was totally on board. And so if that's what they're going to do, then there are a lot of people, whether or not they ever get saved. I hope they do, whether or not they ever become a conservative. There are a lot of people who are going to be feeling lost. Like I was in politically homeless and everyone has a different experience. Maybe some people stay there, whatever. I found organically over time that the conservative position is the most common sense position time and again to me. Mm -hmm. And I realized that there was very little science on the other side, on the things that I believed, Um, you know, one of the biggest things and one of the biggest things I've become an advocate for is pro-life, you know, and I'm, I'm to find how very little logic and little science there is on the other side of things and and obviously very little morality. Um, And so I I have found that it's a happier group of people. Uh, Many of them have Christ, obviously. And I've, yeah, it's it's been nothing, but welcome in the walkaway movement was a big, big, big part of that because I am not alone. And I know my journey might seem odd, even though it happened, you know, relatively slowly over the course of a year and a half. But there are so many of us, and it doesn't matter if we agree on every little thing. I think right. that we can work together to form a stronger coalition uh, than the radical left.
1: Well, that's the thing is, y- y- you don't have to agree on everything. You don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, mm-hmm. I, there's nowhere in life that says, I mean, my husband and I disagree on stuff. Right? So, you know, yes. <laughs> we're happily married. But it's. Mm-hmm. I think it's healthy. I think it's healthy to have discussion. And that, like you said, that was one thing during COVID that we learned. Discussion mm-hmm. wasn't welcome. It yeah. was not even questions were not welcome. Mm-hmm. They weren't no. considered. They weren't entertained. It was, boy, are you stupid and anti science if you believe fill in the blank yeah. and it's anything mm-hmm. different than we believe. So I, right. I guess I, I'd have to ask because you, you referenced this a little bit. Um, I'm guessing you've lost some friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, mm-hmm. what, what, what is, what, what have you seen from them? What have you heard from them? And, and, has anyone supported you?
2: Um, my my family supports me. <laughs> not not all of them are of the same mind, um, but that's okay because you know we're a family. Uh, and I I will admit that I was very isolated prior to um, you know having this awakening, for lack of a better word. So I didn't have too many too many friends, which is something that you know I'm sad to say. Uh, So I won't pretend that I, you know, lost best friends of years and years, but I did have this uh, deep awareness of, um, people unfriending me unfollowing me, that kind of thing. Sometimes (laughs) I would get a nasty message and it sounds like nothing. And in the grand scheme of things, it's not, but it it, it continues to strike me that many of them were people that liked me before, (laughs) uh, whether they knew me deeply or not, they would have spoken highly of me, Mm -hmm. uh, to one degree or another. And, um, it's it's very odd to me that suddenly <laughs> they they do not like me because of my politics and I see comments online every so often of someone it's always an anonymous account saying you know I went to school with you I went to undergrad with you and uh, you've gone crazy since 2020 Yes you, suddenly and, yeah. I
1: hate you yes Yes yeah I <laughs> yeah. used to I used yeah. to like you and now I hate you I mean that's right. I I get that too and my husband kind mm-hmm. of warned me when when I was leaving sports to pursue what I thought was a more meaningful to me Mm -hmm. cause, which is talking about things.
2: Mm -hmm. Uh, He
1: said, you know, everyone in sports loved you because you were just this sports reporter who, you know, talked about sports. That's going to change. And I said, so be it. You know, that's fine. Uh, I can handle it. But it's shocking to me that people can see it that way that, you know, it's, it's been, it's, it's it's been a little bit of a stunner. So how
2: is life now? Um, you know, it's it's not perfect, but it's it's much better. Um, I have found a purpose in my life for I think the first time. Um, I did not feel it when I was pursuing acting. I felt like a, a little fish in a huge pond, yeah. um, you know, and I never wanted fame or anything like that. But I loved, loved acting. Um, right. But it, it's easy to be overlooked and feel like I'm not, I didn't do anything today to help anyone. I didn't do anything to touch anyone's lives. I just went and made a fool of myself in an audition room. (laughs) Um, And I do feel a strong purpose in what I'm doing. You know, I have the same mission that I had in the beginning, even though my values have become more clearly defined and I align more with uh, conservative values now. I, I started all this, I started talking in spring of 2021 when I was still... Completely politically homeless and did not have any strong ideology. I just, I wanted people to understand that other people might have an honest reason for disagreeing with you, to quote, you know, Thomas Sowell. Um, and they said that is still my mission today. And it gives me a great sense of purpose because I know what's in my heart. I know what's in the heart of a lot of people who have welcomed me. Um, and it is not hatred for any particular group. It's not hatred, period. But I believe that there is a better way to live and our culture, our society in the modern day West has largely lost sight of that. And I don't think it's serving us well. And that is why I speak about my journey and speak about where I was to how I got here. And it is certainly not because I woke up one day and decided um, I'm racist or anything else. You know, it was an authentic, organic journey. And there's a better way to live. Yeah. There is
1: a better way to live. I, I you know, it, I, I'd i like everyone to just hold hands and sing kumbaya and we can all get along. That's not going on right now. But I do, no. I do agree with you that when you find purpose in your life, and that purpose is not hating other people or feeling right. like a victim in order to mm-hmm. gain attention, but actually, mm-hmm. you know, wanting to help people wanting to change things for the better. Yeah. That purpose is, is, is fulfilling. I, I, I mm-hmm. truly hope that, you continue to feel that, and that you get, uh, you know, support that everyone deserves, and um, that, that you find you. happiness. I, I, I'm like sitting here all of a sudden, like cheering, "Yay, let's go!" Now. <laughs> I, 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 you know, because you. it's it, I, one thing I will say is it took courage, uh, because yeah. what you're saying to a lot of people out there is that you discovered that maybe you were wrong about some stuff, or maybe Mm -hmm. you didn't listen well enough, or maybe whatever you, you're admitting a lot there. How -hmm. hard was that to do?
2: It was hard. And I knew, I knew that I was giving up a lot. Um, You know, I, I, even though at the time I wasn't pursuing acting anymore, I always had this idea, I might go back to it. And I knew once I started talking, I don't think I fully (laughs) realized once I started talking what I was getting myself into, but I knew that I was giving up. Um, probably any hope of ever going back to acting or working in mainstream Hollywood. Um, and I, but if I, if I know, knew then what I know now, um, the amount of hatred I would get, and I want to be really clear, the, the positive always outweighs the hatred uh, since the beginning. And even still it's, it's massively, massively heavier. Um, but even, even still, I would do it, you know, all over again, um, because uh, it, it is, it is worth it. And, um, I didn't quite know what I was getting myself into. I don't know that I look at it as brave. Uh, but I guess, you know, it seems like a lot of people can't even handle a different viewpoint nowadays. So if that's yeah. where we're at, which is sad, then I guess it is brave, <laughs> yeah. yeah. but in the grand scheme of things, it's, it's not too brave. Um, but I, you know, I, I highly encourage everyone to speak out. I think we need more people to, um, and that's what drew me to your story too. And, uh, it's not easy, but if if people don't do it, then we're not preserving anything for exactly. the future. Yeah,
1: exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. It, it, I mean, there's a necessity for this. You know, yeah. we're not just living in easy times right now. We're living no. in, a, in a critical period where mm-hmm. uh, you know there's there's this culture war that is massive, and yeah. we can't just sit there and go, "Oh, it'll sort itself out." No, we need no. More courageous people mm-hmm. to speak out. Yeah, so I applaud you. Uh, I congratulate you. I do think you're courageous. I absolutely thank do you. think that anyone who risks what you've risked uh, is courageous. And I hope you do get some acting jobs. Damn it. Look at her. She's beautiful. <laughs> she can do anything. <laughs> um, Natalie, thank you so much for taking the time. I, I Again, you, I applaud Michelle. you. I support you. And we'll, we'll continue to follow you because I, I think what you're
2: doing is tremendous. Thank you so much for having me. It was an honor.
1: Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Michelle Tafoya podcast. As always, as Dennis Prager told me, be brave and do good. Thanks for listening.